As Steve said, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the leaders here at the Vine Church. So this morning, we are uh, focusing on Mission Sunday. Uh, we've been going through a series called God's Name, and we're just taking a pause from that. Uh, and we're going to pick it back up next week, and it's been, it's been a fantastic series, and we've still got another seven weeks to go. And uh, just hopefully that we will, uh, the momentum will grow in that and we will know more about who God is, his identity, his character, and really his name, really looking at the book of Exodus, Exodus 34, uh, verses 6 and 7. But we're taking a pause from that and we're looking at mission this morning. So what is mission? Often people think of mission, they would think of going to a, another country, serving abroad, maybe with people that are more disadvantaged than us, or maybe it's doing an evangelistic event, or doing something to help those who are in need. And to a certain extent, I suppose, they're all correct definitions of mission. And I love the fact that we as a church are looking to build relationships with churches and organizations and individuals with, uh, within Sh the, the country of Sri Lanka. I love that. I love that we do uh, missional ministries such as Vine Tops, Tea and Toast and other things. Uh, we were down at uh, the Hub on Thursday and if you go and look at the Hub, uh, right in front of you on the window, there's a massive heart saying, for God so loved, and it says finish it and you get a chocolate bar. And that's a great idea because they're trying to bring people in, engage with us. By the way, it's Valentine's, that's why they're talking about the love of God, connect with people at this time, this seasonal thing going on. And I love, these are all missional things which we are doing, which I absolutely love that we're engaging with people who don't yet know and believe in Jesus. One of the most famous quotes of the Bible, and it's quoted a lot, is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go and make disciples. This uh, week, round the breakfast table, uh, Freddie was telling us at school, he's learned the difference between a statement, a command, and a question. That's what he's been learning at school. What's the difference between a statement, command, and question? Uh, and he's got very good at telling us commands uh, in life. And uh, as time goes on, I'm sure he will get even better at that than asking questions. He's good at asking questions as well. But this is what's going on here. Jesus has given them a command. Go and make disciples. He's been with them for around three years. The disciples have seen what he's like. They've seen what he's been doing. They've seen everything about him. And now he's saying, go. He's saying, therefore, go and make disciples. He's making a command. He's empowering them, but he's also giving them the authority and the responsibility to go. See, sometimes we, we hold on to the authority one, that, you know, we've got authority to go in Jesus' name. We've got authority to do this. But God gives us a responsibility as well, to go and make disciples. The word mission has been hijacked, uh, really, from the military. 
and also many marketing and public relations. You know, every hotel has got a mission statement nowadays. They're promising good service. But the actual word mission occurs sparingly in the English Bible. But it comes from the Latin verb missio, which parallels with the Greek apostolio, which means to send. It refers to God sending his people to announce his judgment and his redemption. Mission means to send. At this point in Matthew uh, 28, Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm sending you out to go and make disciples. And this is what it means to be a disciple that you go on making more disciples. Mission is about sending. Like the first of Jesus' disciples, we are all on a mission of God. Every single one of us, if you believe and you follow Jesus in your heart, you are on the mission of God. And right from the book of Acts, as we see what we know as the early church, there was a divine impulse by Paul and Barnabas to go on the first missionary journey that we find in the Bible. But actually, there's a sending language throughout the whole Bible. And this is it. Joseph was sent to be in a position to save lives in famine. Moses, as we've been learning about in God's name series, was sent to deliver the people from oppression and slavery in Egypt. Elijah was sent to influence international politics. Jeremiah was sent to proclaim and preach God's word. Jesus claimed the words of Isaiah, that I have been sent to preach the good news, to proclaim freedom, to give sight to the blind, to release the, uh, the oppressed. The apostles were sent to make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. Paul and Barnabas were firstly sent for famine relief and then to evangelize and church plant. Titus was sent to ensure trustworthy uh, financial administration. Apollos was sent to bring strong Bible teaching. These are just to name a few of people that were sent out. There's a broad range of people on God's mission. Some of the people have gone famine relief, action for justice, preaching, evangelism, teaching, healing, administration. But it was all for the sake of the gospel. See, let's think about the main guy of the story of the Bible, Jesus. What was Jesus' mission? See, when Jesus walked this earth, what was he doing? For I believe that Jesus' life demonstrated a man that was sent on a mission, which was intentionally fulfilled. When, when Jesus was a young age, he says these words, I'm on my father's business. He was sent by the father. He also said, when he was about to die, he said, I've been sent to Jerusalem. He knew that was his task, his job, to go to the cross. And he said, I was sent to Jerusalem. Jesus put it this way in Luke 19, verse 10. The Son of Man has come to seek 
and to save the lost. See, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is 40 different miracles recorded. 40 different miracles recorded. And this week, I've been going through those miracles. I've been looking through them and thinking, what, what do they have any, is there anything that connects these miracles? And what, this is what I found. 29 of those 40 miracles were among people that don't yet believe in Jesus. 29 out of 40. That leaves another 11 that were directly with people that believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Here's another one. 27 were healings. That means 13 were like uh, feeding of the 5,000. They were Jesus walking on water. 13 were. So, so, so most of these miracles were healings for people that didn't yet believe in him. And then you go on to see that a lot of them, their life was changed. As they got healed, they started to believe, oh, he is the son of God. He's not just a, a good teacher or a prophet. But every single miracle had these two things in common. Jesus was moved by love and acted in power. He moved by love that wasn't about himself. He wasn't like, what can I get out of it? Or what can my name become bigger, really? He, was, he saw an individual who was maybe in pain or hurting or, or maybe didn't yet know him. And he was moved by love, but he acted in power. Feeding the 5,000, really the 15,000 or so. That is pretty powerful, I must say. Walking on water. Has anyone done that yet? A bath, you know, doesn't really include it. But Jesus, he moved by love and acted in power. Because there was a mission. There was a mission. Let's read a passage together. Matthew 25. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. I'm looking at this. I think I've got the wrong verse here. Anyway, I'll pa- I will paraphrase this passage for you. Matthew 25. I'm pretty sure. What, let's have a look at this. I'm pretty sure it's Matthew 25. Yeah, it is Matthew 25. Here I am. Sorry, Matthew 25, verse 25. Verse 35. Let's go for that one. For I was hungry. Matthew 25, verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. The righteous will answer, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did you see a stranger, you, you a stranger, invite you in? Or needing to clothe you? When did you see the sick in, or in prison to go and visit you? The king will reply, truly, 
I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. They also would answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison, and you did not help, uh, and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is a scary passage, if you really get it. I look at this and I think, what? What, what are you saying here, Jesus? You know, what are you saying here? He's saying, he's saying you know, those who don't feed or potentially go to the prisons or look after the sick or clothe those in need, he's saying those on the left will be pushed into eternal punishment but those who did. And they said, well, they say to Jesus, well, we didn't see you like that. And he said, but it's not about me, it's about the people. He's like, didn't you see Jesus, me in them? Is, is this what it means to be a Christian? See, I don't think in this passage Jesus is really saying that every single one of us has got to go out and give food to the hungry or to clothe them. But what I think he's saying here is that if there is people in need that are around you and you see people in need, why are you not helping them? It doesn't have to, everyone does everything here. But he said you should see them like it was me. Because I bet you, if you saw someone in this church in need and it was Jesus himself, we would all be there. I'll help you, Jesus. I'll get that for you, Jesus. Jesus, you're not well. I'll take your soup round your house. We would all be there. And he's saying, you should treat everyone like me. I think about my life, and I think, this is crazy. You know, I think about myself. You know, wh how, what am I doing? Is this what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus? I'll just leave that one with you to think about and to have something in your mind. See, we are being sent into a world we live in. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And verse 1. Here we go. In the, in the year that the king Uzziah died... Verse 1, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and two he covered his feet. With two he flew, and the one called to another and said, holy, holy, 
holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. So Uzziah, King Uzziah has died. He's died. See, King Uzziah, he reigned for 52 years over Israel. He, he reigned and was a, a king that brought much stability in Israel. And two chronicles tells us that King Uzziah was a good king. Except for one thing that was recorded in 2 Chronicles 26. And that's because he offered incense when he shouldn't have done and it should have been a priestly role. But apart from that, he was, and because he did that, by the way, he got leprosy and he had to stay in the palace for quite a long time. But apart from that, what we read in 2 Chronicles 26, King Uzziah, who reigned for 52 years over the country of Israel, was a good and stable king. He was, a, he, he was one that was spoken well of. But now he is dead, no one knows what's going to happen. To say that the people of Israel were feeling worried and stressed and filled with uh, what's going to happen, anxiety, is an understatement. It was a time of uncertainty. It was what is going to be with the political future of Israel. This is the questions they had in their mind. No one knew. Does, does this sound like something that we are facing? That this happened in Isaiah chapter 6. King Isaiah is dead, and he was a stable one. But no one knows what the future is going to hold. But it's good to know, in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah sees a vision of the Lord high and exalted on the throne in Isaiah Chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. See, I want to ask you this question. Who is in charge for Isaiah? Is it an earthly king, Uzziah, and now he's died and looking for a new one, or is it his God? See, Isaiah is written to a nation that felt they were in political turmoil. They were living in unstable times. They did not know what the future holds. It feels like no one's on the throne. No one knows what they're doing. And Isaiah has this vision of God, even among everything that's going on, he still has this vision of God on his throne. And this gives us the question, when we feel we're in unstable times, or we've got unstable lives, where do we look for stability? Do we look to the palace, or do we look to the temple? Do we look to the government? Or do we look to the church? Do you look to the palace? Or do you look to the temple? Do you look to the government? Or do you look to the church? See, what would be on the headlines of heavenly newspapers? See, we all know what's on the headlines of our newspapers. Every single day we know what's going to come up. But what would be on the headlines of heavenly newspapers? See, I think it will be about the growth of the church. It will be about the well-being of the church. It will be about the persecution of the church, the success of the church. See, because the church is God's people. We are the church. We are the largest group of people around a common interest that the world has ever seen. Bigger than any football team, bigger than any pop group, 
even bigger than any nation. We beat China as a church. The church is growing daily across the world. And we will carry on growing and prospering. Because God's church, and this is what God is doing, God is changing lives every day as they hear and experience the good news of Jesus. I remember a story I heard uh, by J. John. J. John is an evangelist who, who comes out of England and he, he preaches around the world. And he said one time he was traveling to Australia and he gets on this plane. And of course, traveling to Australia is quite a far away. Usually you have to stop. Well, you, well, you don't have to stop nowadays, do you? But uh, he was traveling across to Australia. He gets on the plane in London and he sits next to this lady and he thinks he's going to start chatting to her. So he says to her, oh, what's your name? And she tells her name to him, and she asks the same question. He says, I'm J. John. She says, what do you do? And he said, she said what she did, and he, she said back to him, what do you do? And he said, well, funny you should ask that. Because I work for the biggest organization in the world. And she turned around and went, surely? Really? And she, he said, yes, we've got more outlets than anyone else. Plus, we feed the hungry, we look after the poor, we care for people when they're sick, we do this, we do that, we do this and we do that, and we basically care for everyone from birth to death and afterlife. And she was like, wow, who do you work for? And he said, the church. The church if you just think about it as, a, as a, a global thing, not just us, but a global thing, it is amazing. Most countries has a church in it. Beat that, fat face or anyone else, or wherever you shop. See, the church, I don't actually shop at fat face anymore. <laughs> Becky turned me to jewels, so everything's jewels now. See, the church is God's chosen vehicle for mission. We shouldn't forget the power of what we can do, our part to play in the big global church. We are God's chosen vehicle for mission. We are being sent. And we might feel that we are in unstable times. We might feel that we are, are, have an unstable government, that we have political correctness. And we've got the question of what is sexuality? And there's more pressures and stresses on each one of our lives these days. But there's a but. When Isaiah faced a very similar situation, he saw a God on his throne. And he knew the mission he was on. See, the most important thing about the year Uzziah died was not about the palace, was not about Uzziah dying. That was just a quick reference. By the way, Uzziah's dead. It was about the throne of God and that God was on his throne. That was the most important thing. See, what is shaping our will today? Deal or no deal? The fear of speaking up? The de defining our sexuality? It's not about what's happening in the palace. It's about what God is doing and what God is doing with us. Does anyone remember what they were doing on the 4th of June, 1738? What were you doing on 4th of June, 1738? Of course not. But does anybody remember what happened on the 4th of June, 1738? Anyone's history, history geeks here, history geeks? Probably not. I'll tell you what happened. Prince George was born. The man that was going to be George III 
who was going to reign England, well, Britain, for, thir- for 60 years. At that time, all the papers was about this new king being born. George III, he was going to be born. And it was like, it was all the headlines, royal prince being born. And King George III, he reigned, as I said, for 60 years through turbulent times. We had the American Revolution War. He was nicknamed the Mad King George because he lost the American uh, American colonies and also his sanity. But do you know what happened 11 days before King George was was born? On the 24th of May, 1738, at 5 a.m., a man called John Wesley started reading his Bible. 11 days before King George was born. By the way, when King George was about, you know, there was a lot of unstableness in, in, in the country and in society. But at 5 a.m., he started reading his Bible. That evening, he went to Aldersgate in London, and he attended a meeting. And at that meeting, he experienced God, and he said this. Whilst he, the preacher, was, was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in God, Christ alone for salvation. An assurance was given to me that he'd take away my sins, even mine, and save me from the law of sin and death. See, the time went on from that period after the 24th of May, 1738, and John Wesley, uh, he reformed England. This Methodist church came out of it, and it was a national force. They said that John rode on horseback averagely 20,000 miles a year on horseback so he could preach around the nation. Many believe that our nation uh, was carried forth in its unstable times because of John Wesley and his preaching amongst many different areas. See, in 1738, a new king was born, and he led in unstable times, and it was hard times, and he was an unstable leader. But God already had a plan and was doing something 11 days earlier. He was prepared for it. Where do we look? The palace of Westminster or the throne of God. See, Isaiah goes on, and if you read it, Isaiah 6, and if you've got it open again, Isaiah 6, verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom should I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say to the people. And then it goes on, he tells, he tells Isaiah what he should say. But he, for Isaiah, King uh, Uzziah's dead, that he's living in unstable times. And then he sees this uh, vision of the throne of God, and he said, God, send me. What is mission? It's about sending. He knew his God was on the throne, and there was a mission. I want to ask you this question this morning. Can you say the words of Isaiah, here I am, send me? Here I am, send me to befriend that person. Send me to preach, to heal the sick, to administrate, to famine relief, to church planting, to social justice. Send me. In Luke 10, we don't need to go there, but Luke 10, Jesus talks about that the, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. 
See, it's quite funny because we often, I think, we believe in the West, the harvest isn't plentiful and there's lots of workers. I think we, th- we think like, you know, oh God, we're doing this, this and this. But I, d- I, think, it, I, think, God, I think Jesus knows what he's doing here. I think, you know, he is a, he's, got, he's got it right here. He's like, the workers are few, I think, because people don't want to do stuff. That's why the workers are few. There is a big harvest out there, but people don't want to act and be sent. People are comfortable in the West. People are comfortable with what they're doing. They're comfortable doing their own little thing uh, and what they know what doing. They'll do it for the next 60 years of their lives until they're dead. They're not being willing to be sent. In, in John 20, 21, he says this, Jesus, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There is so much sending language in the Bible. Because this is what mission is about. Sending. When King Uzziah died, you know, it's so easy for Uzziah to look at, uh, to look at the parliament or the palace and think so much fear. We're living in unstable times. But Isaiah saw the throne of God. I just want to encourage us and challenge us. In these times, where do you look? Too many people, I think, and Christians, they're looking to the government and palace. No, we should look to the throne of God. This is not surprise God. In 1738, you know, with um, King George coming and him not being such a great king, that did not surprise God. He was working on John Wesley's heart. And it wasn't just about one person. He was probably working on lots of people's hearts. Mission. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To be my witness, Jerusalem, to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Many of us would know this, but Jesus, when he speaks, this, he's in Jerusalem, and then it's Samaria, it's a bit further out, and then it's Judea, and then it's to the ends of the earth. It starts with home, and then you go out and out and out. And, you know, I just want to encourage us and challenge us. How are we going out to make disciples? I think sometimes, you know, we can serve the church in different ways, but sometimes it's good to take stock and think, how am I making disciples? Am I playing my part? And this morning, we get an opportunity just to spend about 10 minutes, and we're going to go and pray, and opportunities for our locality to sign up and serve. So we get an opportunity to go and pray for our world, which is over here, our nation, which is over there, and over there, which is our local area. But there's opportunities to sign up to one-off events. There's different things that we can get involved in. It might be bake a cake. It might be uh, make a card or go and do some litter picking or maybe go to a nursing home and meet some residents and help doing some gardening work there. We've prepared a few things that are local because actually, where did Jesus say it starts with your Jerusalem? So in a couple of minutes, we're going to go and pray, and you get an opportunity to sign up. But I just want to leave you with this thought. Where is God sending you? You should be able to answer that question. You might say, well, actually, I'm focusing on uh, administration. 
or I'm focusing on this, or focusing, I feel action for justice, and it looks like this, it looks like this. So where are you making disciples? But I also like to encourage and challenge you, where do you look in this times? Because King Isaiah looked to the throne of God, but that led him to mission, to say, here I am, send me. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord. I love it that we come to uh, Isaiah chapter 6, and it's written thousands of years ago. And also, it's so applicable for us today. And Lord God, I just pray that in the midst of turmoil and maybe political uh, unstable in this country, I pray that we will look to the throne of God. Lord, we will look to your throne. We won't look to the government. But I pray that will stir us on like Isaiah. And we will say, here I am, send me. And we will play our part with the gifts you've given us, with the heart that you've given us. Because we are part of the global church whose lives are being changed. Father God, I just pray that in each one of us, you'll increase the heart, the passion, and the compassion for to make disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a quick thing. So we're going to go and pray and sign up. And you've got to sign up your interest, and then we will, we will basically contact you over the next week or so, and we will say, well, this is what it looks like, these are the hours, these are the dates you can do, and with some more information, and then we hope that you will go and serve, because we recognize that some of them might be on dates that other people can't do, and some are quite flexible. So the, at the back over there is uh, all the information, but there's also information about where we live. I've printed off loads of stuff about the borough pool, um, about where we live. So we're going to spend the next... Uh, 10 minutes doing that, and then we're going to come back and just, just really respond by worshiping God and praising Him for who He is. Is that okay? Great. Let's do this. This morning, we just pray that we will have willing hearts to do what you want us to do. I pray, Lord, that we would go home uh, this afternoon, maybe just pause and think and, and pray about what it is you want us to do in our local community to win people uh, for you. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you uh, for this morning. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd give us a good week as we go forward, uh, that you'd lead us uh, in the right pathways to take, Lord. I pray that you'd give us the right conversations to have in your name's sake. Amen.